we're always cutting. Uh, hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Scott and I'm with uh, two fire buddies, <laughs> fire friends, Todd. Hello. And Ash. Hello. Um, we got some news tonight. Um, got a fire at uh, what's called the P&E, which uh, is a position... What is it? Provincial National Exhibit? Is that what it is? Pacific National Pacific, yeah. Exhibition. Exhibition. I was not even close. <laughs> I got national in there. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Like, I think that's what it's called. Google. Yeah. yeah I don't Basically, think I've ever called it the full name. Playland. Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, it's, I guess, like Vancouver's version of Disneyland, only yeah. really lame. Mini, Compared mini to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so there was a pretty big warehouse fire. That's what it sounded like. Suspicious um, warehouse fire. Yeah, I was watching a, a news clip of it, and somebody caught a pretty pretty awesome explosion. <clears throat> One of the warehouses there, it sounded like there was a lot of storage of uh, kind of a few extra cars, uh, fuel storage, some chemicals, fertilizers, things like that. So that's mm-hmm. it was it was rocking pretty good when they got there. The chief did inter- or the assistant chief did an interview, and basically said that yeah, it's just it's treating it like Syria. He, he literally said, "We're standing here spraying water on it." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to quick read here. Um, so VPD uh, actually, they discovered the blaze. Um, so they alerted uh, Vancouver Fire. Uh, they got on scene. They were aware of, obviously, what the peony is and uh, quickly realized what that building was for. Uh, again, very, very, very volatile. Uh, there's a lot of shit inside there that they mm-hmm. wanted to stay away from. Um, so, like you say, they it was kind of a surround and drown sort of a deal there. There was some um, spread to a nearby sign shop um, that was adjacent to the property. Um, there was some damage there. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, upgraded to a three-alarm blaze. 40 firefighters uh, got on scene, knocked it down, um, said they were there for a few hours. Uh, a couple Zambonis, a dozen trucks. Um, oh, yeah, Deputy Zamboni. Chief Bertuzzi. Um, <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, what? Like the <laughs> hockey player? <laughs> Throwing haymakers? Yeah. <laughs> um, the butter. But uh, Brian, not Todd Bertuzzi. Probably I guess. Probably. I don't know how. Not a common name. How common is Bertuzzi? Sound like Smith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty big blaze. They. Obviously, we're there for many hours, got it all. Well, I'm guessing, well, if it, there were Zambonis, because Zambonis are run on propane. Yeah, yeah. So there'd be some, probably some mm-hmm. pretty good, uh, I think it'd be like a forklift, I guess, explosion. Well, there's probably propane storage everywhere there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, there were some pretty good pops and bangs. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's like many, many reasons why they they weren't making the push. It was, yeah. uh, I mean, all of the shit that was stored inside of there from the vehicles to the pro- propane, um, other chemicals and such. It was... Yeah. I remember when the... Were you, were, were you with us still, Todd, when that car lot, when the um, wrecking yard went up? Uh, I, I was, but I was in Vancouver working. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that night when it went <clears> up <throat> because it was still fairly new and mm-hmm. um, I remember some, like the oxy-settling tank it blew and it went flying through the roof, and, like took off, <laughs> and we were like we were doing surround and round, and every time someone would blow up, we were like woo because there was nothing else we could do. We were just like along the water just of this thing, enjoy and, the moment. Yeah, and then the uh, the radiant heat went through the sea uh, can that the guy had stored all the struts and shocks in. Oh jeez, it sounded like a, like it sounded like a war going on. I was like boom 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 boom, like the sea cans shaking. We're like, <laughs> so we just kind of hose that down for a while, <laughs> try to cool it down. Yeah. 
But I remember a car had, uh, there was a car on the um, hoist, and it got so hot in there that the car actually melted in half and, like, was folded in half, hanging off the hoist. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I was up took a on picture a hoist, yeah. yeah. I think someone took a picture of it. It's pretty crazy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those chemical are shops. Like, they're <clears throat> not good. Well, there's just so many crazy things that people store, right? It's like it's For like sure. what we always talk about the dumpster fires. Like, yeah, an open dumpster is everybody's yeah. <laughs> open yeah. ticket for dumping literally dumping ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you don't know what's in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, there uh, there was that fire last week in Kelowna, a big uh, strip mall. Oh yeah, was yeah. that last week? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, one of the dive mm-hmm. shops and everything went up. Yeah, there drove by there yeah. today, and yeah, that would have been a pretty big fire because it was right next to the, I think a Lexus dealer. Or Audi? Yeah, yes, yeah, maybe Audi. It was like, like you could see the the uh, the back wall. Of the Audi shop was pretty dark, mm-hmm. so they were definitely um, exposures. And then yeah. there was another structure on the backside that was exposures, and then obviously the highways right there. Mm-hmm. So that would have been an interesting fire too. They already turned it down. They they were like already like cleaning it up and oh wow, right. yeah. mm-hmm. so that was a big one too for those guys. Yeah, that was that was pretty big. I was chuckling when you said uh, that the VPD discovered the fire and called called it in. Mm-hmm. Not to throw VPD under the bus. <laughs> but <laughs> when I was working down the coast, uh, we had called for a, uh, a structure fire. And we were there right behind the police, basically. We were already rolling out, cruising down Broadway. <clears throat> and we rolled up, and it's this huge building. Um, there's a restaurant bar upstairs, multiple shops down below. VPD's got a couple cars there, and fire department's still rolling. And what do we see is a couple of our officers going out with their batons, smash oh. the glass doors, <laughs> the and, and start calling, mm-hmm. like yelling through the, through the open windows. Well, now all this oxygen comes pouring in. The thing was fully engulfed in no time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're helping. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it goes back to, yeah. I, I just watched the uh, uh, Jason uh, Patton there. Uh, he, he did one of his videos and it got re reshared. Um, about uh, PD on on scene. All right, guys. When when if we beat fire to a scene, we got to park a cruiser here, park a cruiser here. I want a cruiser here. Like if <laughs> we can clutter up the scene with all of our cruisers, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Were you on a fire watch one night? Uh, and and VPD like you were with uh, ambulance, and then um, wasn't uh, Vancouver fire? Wasn't there somebody on the roof and their ch- and their their chops on went like risen off the roof and like <laughs> smashed yeah. to the ground? It was, uh, <laughs> so they they had to grow up in this uh, two story house in the attic, and <clears throat> so they put their ladder truck up to do some venting on these kind of side gables of this weird little roof structure that was there, and the guy starts up a saw, sets it on the roof, lets go of it. Steps off the ladder, get on it, and the, the, the chops on it. Woo! Right down off the roof, smash in the back alley. And all you see is a couple guys look up, look down at the saw, shake their heads. Shit, <laughs> <climb back down. laughs> yeah. Uh. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> Good times. All right, um, on to some training that we did. Uh, uh, well, we've been off for the last week. Um, the COVID hit. I think so. Now we're all good, right? Because you had COVID. Yep, we've all. Uh, yep, we're going had COVID. I had COVID. Yep, we're good. So uh, we all had it now. Mm-hmm. Some of us had it worse than others. We got the. You real probably history. had the best one. I think you you weren't hit too bad by it. Were you? No, not too bad. Um, yeah, down out a little bit, cough and and sinusy mm-hmm. stuff and things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I basically had a cold. I had my, uh, my, I had my taste and smell through the whole 
Yeah, I lost my taste for a while. I'm, gonna say I'm still garbage right now. And you probably had the worst. Yeah, I think I definitely had it uh, from the sounds of it here, the worst. I was I was a disaster for about 48 hours. Um, mm-hmm. And then it lingered for like another five days post, post yeah. that where just it went from like really bad for 48 and then just a regular bad flu. Mm-hmm. Um, like the onset when I think I had COVID back in like 2020. <laughs> um, I was like that for five days. And then, right. yeah, like two days of me and then yeah yesterday today i'm mint so and this is like i'm a true seven days later now Mm. yeah so we we missed unfortunately our podcast last week because of all that and things right and uh we really haven't had many calls yeah not a heck of a lot to chat about call wise from i think from either of us here so um we have been getting some first responder stuff Mm -hmm. um so far we haven't had anything crazy which is good because it's it's nice having this feeling out time i know some of the guys are like ah like nothing's going on, it's boring. Like, well, but uh, it's nice in the first responder time mm-hmm. to feel out, like help the ambulance because um, you know we're we're new to the first responder field, and I think yeah. some of the paramedics were kind of like, "What are these guys going to do to help us?" Yeah, because <laughs> you know we have never done it before, and now mm-hmm. I think we're showing that we're helping. Um, mm-hmm. Like we're not cops breaking windows and fires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, we'll, when they're inside, we'll ask them if they want the cot, we'll get the cot out, we'll, you know, um, get their gear when they ask it, we'll move their gear for them, we'll give them hands when they use it, yeah. mm-hmm. um, lots of lift assist stuff. Yeah, we had a really good one the other day there. Um, we're on like the shoulder <clears throat> side of, of winter here and the snow has melted off of all of the main streets and such, but there's this uh, walking path kind of down by Rob and my, my place and um, not like the same house <laughs> we're not like roomies uh but there's this nice well like rob and my place it sounds yeah. like it's like the, the, the same house making uh, it weird uh, yeah you're you're making it weird man um and there's some shaded area um and there's a hiking path that gets from the the bottom street over to our like our river channel and um this elderly lady was walking and slipped on some ice so it's that wasn't a call that EHS couldn't have handled anywhere else alone, but you know because of that we were involved and um, just knowing what we know now, um, not that we haven't been able to handle calls like that easily before, but like right right away it's like hey you want us to grab grab the call get that prepped yep okay grab the the clam perfect okay done so like as everything was rolling like they they worried about her. Uh, packaging her up, getting her ready for the clam. We got everything else prepared for them, and then a quick walk out. Um, just it went really, really smooth. Um, again, not that we wouldn't have been able to do that before. Just like everything ticked off, and like you, you can tell the guys are very, very comfortable in and around the ambulance now. So, yeah, uh, got a lot of really good. Because before we feedback. wait to be told, like we yeah. stand there and be like. And they'd yeah, be like, hey, five, you get the cot for guys. us? Well, nope. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can you get this for us? Where's that? It's over here. It's, uh, never mind. I'll just get it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, they would be like, they would just do it because it'd be quicker for them to do it. than All we were there us. for was for lifting. Yeah. 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 Just, and that, yeah. that's the name of the game, right? Like, unless you're there, you know, hands-on with the patient still, the next role is to step back and then assist, mm-hmm. you know, in supporting the whole effort, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and now that people are more comfortable and more familiar with the ambulances, 
uh, where things are, how to actually open up the clams and the mm -hmm. belts and the yep. whole system, everything, and using the uh, the, the strikers and mm -hmm. yeah. or assisting with the strikers and doing all that fun stuff. For sure. Actually, one of the guys I work with in my other job, he was uh, he used to be ALS in, out in Manitoba. <laughs> he said the because uh, he, he used to work in small like with rural departments. Mm -hmm. He says that the uh, the best first responders were always the guys that were like didn't know anything and they like like they learned from them and they did just help them. Mm -hmm. He was the worst were always a, the off duty paramedics. They were also <laughs> fire because they'd be like, no, I got this. They're like, no, get out of my way. No, no, like this is happening. And they're like, no, like move. I have to do my own shit. Because <laughs> he was ALS. So he's like, get out of here. <laughs> he says, those guys are the worst because they'll just like, they'll linger. <laughs> yeah. And they're not really helping, but they're all, like, you're kind of in your way. He's like, just, like, okay, man, like do your other job. <laughs> get out of my way. Move along. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's <clears> good <throat> that you guys are starting to get more um, comfortable with the FR role and the For calls. Sure. And like I said, there's, and there's definitely those those times still with our ambulance delays and stuff where you guys are gonna be there first as well. So yep. yeah, yeah, we've had a, a pretty variety of um, us on scene first to us on scene, and they're already there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, definitely a different scenario when you roll in first, uh, depending on the crew that you have with you. Mm -hmm. um, when when you get there and you already see that that EHS is, yeah, on, like is on scene, you're like ah. Right, um, like zero stress. Like, not that there's still not going to be work involved, but like now you are literally supporting role. Yeah. Uh, when you walk through the front door and like you are the show for the first few yeah. moments, it's still different. Um, mm -hmm. but I think the guys are getting a little more comfortable. You know, I was thinking about this the other day when I was a uh, duty officer for, and so that means I'm also the mm -hmm. FR officer. Yeah. Um, I was thinking it was reminded me of like three years ago. When I first became a duty yep. officer, when I first became an officer, and I had the radio next to my bed, like, like waiting for, because I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna know what to do. Am I gonna be able to handle a call? Am I gonna be able to do it? Yeah. And then you know, after three years, it's like I can sleep through the night and I'm fine yep. and everything's good. And uh, you know, any call that comes my way, I'll just figure it out. So now I'm like back into that realm again with the FR because it's like, <laughs> how's that? How are we gonna handle this? The crew's gonna be good. Everything's gonna be fine. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure after another year or so, we'll be go back oh, to yeah. normal. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in training, we've done uh, last two weeks. We issued a uh, vehicle fire. So um, that which is kind of it's part of our. Uh, we have to complete it to finish some of our playbook stuff. And it's weird because car fire is actually an exterior fire or interior firefighter job. <laughs> Did you know that? I can't remember. So exterior actually doesn't deal with car fire. He just passed. No, no. He well, he wouldn't have that in his. So right. So in the playbook itself, um, which is hilarious, because so you have all the um, exterior stuff. Yeah. And then car fire for some reason is an interior fire for yeah, yeah. I don't know why. So um, we have to have to do some sign offs for some of the guys. So um, we brought car fire out. We've had a couple of car fires in the last. Uh, what yeah. We, yeah. In the last little bit. So um, one or two. Anyways. Um, so we thought we'd pull some of uh, some of that out. Mm -hmm. uh, we had some cars on the training ground that were we used to do some extrication on. Yep. So we realized, like, why not just light those cars on fire? Like, mm -hmm. we've chopped them up, mm -hmm. kind of put the hood back on, roof back on. It's still a car. Like, it's still yep. you still attack it the same way. Yep. Um, so yeah, we just did the uh, you know standard car fire attack. Um, nothing too crazy. Yeah. No, I I think it went really well. We. Um... The first night when I was still here, <laughs> Kev and I went down and 
uh, we drug one of the one of the pickups out and got got that prepped um, which was good Rob came down and helped us uh, we got that all set up um, we did a couple rounds of attack on on, on that and then uh, we got a Milwaukee k12 so we wanted to test that out a bit so we, we, we did yeah. some some uh, cutting with that nothing is money um, so that that was awesome um, and in classic us fashion we're like kind of wrapping up our practice and one of the guys looks over like hey we got this this what is it a like a 1990-ish Chevy Blazer uh, which is rolled on its side uh, and it, it was like we had cut it and used it for stabilization like it was done uh, and they're like well like how would you attack something that's now like if we, if we were to walk on it from from this side that's on on fire we're like oh, well I don't know let's talk about it so I, I'm standing there I'm like or we could just light on fire. Yep. <laughs> so we're chatting about it, and next thing you know, because I was in, I was in, I was kind of doing spit work, and I just came down to talk, to, see what these guys were up to, I'm like, yeah. and they were talking. I'm like, eh. I'm like, well, we can just light the light it on fire because it's already chopped up. Like it's already mm-hmm. as useful as it's going to be to us. So yeah, literally, I grab the tiger torch and walk over, shove it in there, light it on fire, yeah. and they're like, oh, this is happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like. <laughs> It was neat to see, and just another. It was a weird attack. Yeah, and it was interesting because it was on its side, so parts that would blow normally up in the air were blowing like sideways. We're like, oh, because you know, like the 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 lifting gate, like that was blown side. That was that blew it sideways. Yeah, so it was things that normally would, like, when it's flipped on its wheels, you can, like, kind of picture, oh, it'll go in the air. No, it was like, oh, it went that way. Like, not anywhere near us. We still, yep. so you just have to think differently now when you attack it. Mm-hmm. So that's actually something we haven't done before. Yep. Is a fire attack on a vehicle on the side, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely, I can see it becoming a little challenging. Like, your traditional fire attack when you're coming to a vehicle that's on four wheels, right? Yeah. <clears throat> You've got your, your engine compartment, your passion compartment, your trunk. You know, now those same, that same method is there, but now everything's... Yeah. In a different position. Yeah. Probably the safest, sure. and we didn't attack from that side, but the safest side probably to attack from was the dirty side, like was the wheel side, because really nothing's burning underneath there. For sure. Yeah, like yeah the you come in and then yeah. hit the engine yeah. compartment if that's where the fire is or wherever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you find with, uh, like, were the windows intact or semi-intact? When no, you... the windows were gone, because just yeah. from Auto X, they were gone. Yeah. 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 Windshield gone too, or? Uh, I think it was. The... It was kind of there. I don't know if it was fully intact. I don't know if yeah. it was smashed out. Yeah. We've also had some shit rats down, wrecking yeah. our cars down there. <laughs> Yeah, we had some people. Freaking, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was smashed, but still, still there. Um, mm-hmm. So you couldn't like get a, an attack line through the front, like mm-hmm. you would have had to. I don't know. So did you lift your attack line up into those? The guys actually went. They went. Uh, what they ended up doing because there was a couple senior guys, and there's Matt and Mike. Mike. And yeah. they pushed in side side on, and then they and then you kind of see them. Oh wait a minute! So they actually went kind of hood side or roof side, mm-hmm. and then they. Pushed around the back end of the, of our like, like where the, lift the hatch, would be, where yeah. the hatch would be. So they use I, they kind of use the roof as their shielding, and then they went yeah deflect it off. Mm-hmm. Went, yeah, yeah, it was really cool to see. Um, again, yeah, it was, you know, kind of one of those things. Classic us were like, meh, what would you do? Well, Scott lights it up. Like, okay, well then, now let's let's learn live. We're about to figure it out. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that's kind of some some of the best learning. Yeah. Well, I jokingly said to Ash, I'm like, yeah, it's part of the lesson plan. And he looks at me, I'm like, yeah, the lesson plan. I don't know, I had like, uh, light stuff on fire and chop things. That was my lesson plan. <laughs> yeah, so, check, check, done. <laughs> so, yeah, the two things in the lesson plan are checked off. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, we definitely wouldn't have put like two rookies out there. All right, figure this out. It's right out of the book. Yeah, but exactly. like, knowing that we had a couple of really experienced guys there, um, and like like big big chat about it prior, and um, they were on the attack. We had a couple guys on uh, cooling and production line, so like everything was done by the book. Um, just by the book is generally they talk <clears throat> about a vehicle that's on four wheels. Yeah, no, exactly. So, Mm-hmm. And then we also wanted to talk about because it was like car fire, dumpster fire because the attack for both of them are the same. Essentially, yeah. Um, if you can think about one, you think you can think about the other one. Just yeah. like you don't put your face right inside of the yeah. the you know burning compartment. You don't put your face inside yeah, of the exactly. dumpster. A lot of those things Take are a hand very, very similar. In case you need to lift the hood or try. One hundred percent. Same yeah. same motions. Mm-hmm. Well, and even the last last year, we actually had a car on its roof. And it did. I think you were away that day. No, yeah, you guys were camping. That's right. I came down and I was about to go back up, and then this car fire came in. Mm. It was on its roof in was a it ditch. Up there? No, uh, it was up there. Um, on its roof in a ditch, and uh, it was a truck. It was a pickup truck because we actually ended up having to get. We got the rescue tools and we lifted right. it off the road because we weren't sure. If, like the guy, because there was nobody around, so we're like, either yeah, the guy ran away or the guy's pinned under the <laughs> is pinned under the box of the truck. So we actually lifted the box of the truck up to look underneath. Um, so it was, yeah, it was one of those weird attacks because the car was on its roof. So the guys actually had to go in the ditch to, uh, to fight the uh, passenger compartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, well, I think we had one guy go up top side and lob water, um, as a cooling line onto the truck from, from high side. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, maybe we should do more of those, uh, odd angle attacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it gets you thinking too, like <clears throat> your traditional car fire with your cooling line, you know, you're trying to deflect and cool the tank and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, now everything's inverted and leaking more potentially, and absolutely, and it, it yep. adds a whole new <laughs> dynamic. Shit show up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. was that. Um, I don't know what they did last week because I was away as well. I was training on the coast, doing some other things. <laughs> I talked to some of the guys. Uh, they did the. I think there was a little car Civic yeah, there. Yeah, it was burnt. It went by there. Today. Yeah, so they torched torched that up. It sounded like they just walked through the same same right. kind of scenario. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think they lit anything on the side on fire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind well, of... It looks like Armageddon down there right now because we have cars shopped, cars burnt. Yeah. <laughs> Mud everywhere because it's melting. Melt. Snow melting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. one thing in the training ground needs is some pavement too. Yeah. That's part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Five-year plan. Yeah. Um, and the other guys actually, well, they, one crew did car fire. Um, we just had a crew stationed back here doing um, ropes and ladders. Um, we kind of tied that into one night because um, I think we said, well, I know we said numerous times Back in like episode four or five, yep. I think we had the rope debate. Um, <laughs> pretty sure it was then, was it? It was pretty early. It was pretty yeah. early. Karen and I had a rope debate. Mm-hmm. Um, so look for that in the, <laughs> on our past catalog. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have a catalog? Throwback <laughs> episodes, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, just the fact that we don't teach, like we teach the knots, but we don't get too in-depth and like you need to know 12 different knots. Yes. If you know 12, you're going to forget all of them and then you won't know any. Or you can really no, learn no four. I mean, four really well. So um, the guys are doing those. Um, and then I think from what I was watching, I walked by, again, I was doing some administrative work. So I walked by and it looked like the guys were doing those few knots, like basically the family eight um, group. So mm-hmm. like <clears throat> figure it, follow through all, all those kind of knots. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were doing them and showing how they could be used in different positions. So, you know. It's a versatile knot, basically. Mm-hmm. So they did that, um, and then they just threw some ladders and just getting that done. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so we we covered a lot of uh, kind of just playbook stuff. 
um, that night. Checked out some people, did some things. Yeah. Good. Um, before we talk about the other one there, Todd, what do you what yeah. do you guys be doing? Um, yeah, so last week what we did, we kind of tied everything together with a, a two, two scenarios from our past uh, training. So we've been working on like kind of the emergency scene management um, kind of structure and getting guys and officers running through all the different command boards and our RIP boards and safety boards and all that kind of stuff, <clears throat> accountability. Um, and one thing which, which all of our departments have in common is uh, low manpower for certain calls as well. So right. it was really focused on that as well. So we went over to one of our um, buildings in town, the rec centers, and it's a very old, old building. Uh, used to be an old school. In the basement, where the old boilers and everything used to be, it's it's a nightmarish room. Like one way in, one way out, concrete bunker. Um, so down these narrow set of stairs, you got all these side rooms every which way, and a couple different corners. Then you drop down another set of stairs into like a four foot kind of. Um, another concrete basement, if you will, uh, where the old boilers are. And now there's this water filtration system. So we did the first simulation of uh, the trucks arriving uh, with reports of an explosion um, downstairs in the boiler room and uh, one worker uh, missing still. Uh, so ESM took command. Um, I was the IC for that one. So my first team, we just did uh, teams of two for manpower. So, did you see what, sorry, did you see what ESM stands for? Uh, the emergency scene management. Some people maybe call it differently in other... Yeah, so, so yeah, we're working off the emergency scene management. Um, so my first team was our initial attack team. Gave them the reports. Like, okay, this is this is the information I have. Um, reports of an explosion. Uh, smoke showing, no fire. Um, it's the basement below grade fire. Uh, I want you to do initial attack, and we have reports of one worker still missing. So your primary goal is to make the way to the scene of the fire as quickly as you can. Uh, if you find the victim on the way there, great. If not, suppress the fire, and, and then we're going to be sending additional search teams in behind you. Right. So the initial team went in, but what we told one of the other um, members as well was that, hey, when to, once you start going pushing through your fire attack, start voicing to your partner saying, hey, you know, I don't feel so well. I, I, I don't feel good. Something's off. Mm-hmm. Um, to simulate, you know, a firefighter down scenario. So if they didn't realize, or that partner didn't realize, saying, hey, hey, I need to communicate this. So I see, hey, my partner's not feeling good. We're backing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they continued to push on, that guy was going to drop, and it was going to be a firefighter down scenario. Uh, and then we were going to be sending a writ. Um, first team, they caught it right away. They were halfway into the fire uh, for the initial attack. And they radioed out to IC, stating that, hey, partner's not feeling well, uh, so we're, we're backing out. So, Spartan probably is like, I don't want to get drugged up these stupid stairs. <laughs> yeah, let's go. This is part of the scenario. Let's get me out of here. <laughs> Horrible set of concrete stairs. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, I think we should leave. <laughs> yeah, so at this point, basically, they so they started pushing in before he started mentioning that. Um, then the next two guys, I established them as uh, my RIT team. Uh, so they started doing their, their RIT procedures and their little walk around and practicing with the RIT board and developing their RIT plan and whatnot. Uh, and then the second truck arrived, got a water source, um, came in, I created a backup team, uh, and then a search team. So now I've got everybody nice, neatly organized on my board. Um, now the, the RIT team's doing their thing, the backup team is going into the building. Um, they're feeding hose and just uh, basically supplying some support to the initial attack crew. Basically as all that, 
transpired, that's when those guys mentioned, hey, we're backing out. So they brought him out and then they, they went back in with um, uh, a three-man crew. And then we did, um, the search team went in, then they suppressed the fire. They, on their way out, we said, okay, now your primary goal is to uh, assist with the search team and to start doing primary search. So they just started doing the search. They found the other officer who was the, uh, the patient at the time and they extricated him. And it was actually a, quite a fast scenario. Uh, so then we just debriefed about comms and the whole, whole structure and whatnot. Um, that one went quite well. Um, the second scenario, however, was kind of worst case event. So same manpower, same scenario was um, you got a report of an explosion, fire showing, um, but no reports of somebody missing yet. Initial team, attack team went in, um, RIT was established, backup team comes into place, um, got my safety officer now established as well, and then we have our search team. So as these guys are developing their crews, checking in with IC, entering the building, first attack team goes down and they didn't say anything, just building collapse or another explosion. And the search team, or sorry, no, the backup team actually reported, hey, we hear pass alarms going off. Uh, mayday, 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 did the, made sure they did the mayday call. Um, then we established uh, RIT, um, got them activated. Uh, search went in as well to support RIT. So now it's gonna be a four-man RIT team. And then boom, backup, same thing, they go down. So RIT finds them. They're already starting to package each other down there as a crew. Uh, and then RIT is to take kind of charge down there. So we had a really good debate in the debriefing afterwards because we were starting to get a little bit of mixed uh, communications, like uh, attack team ones trying to call on the radio saying, hey, you know, you know, we're still pinned, you know, when we're getting, they're giving their, their PAR report and stuff. And then, but we wanted to hear RIT. So as soon as RIT makes contact with them, that's the only person that's gonna be talking on the radio. So now Rick can do the assessment of, hey, how many guys do I have? What do I need? You know, what's their air? Hey, I need um, heavy equipment. I need chainsaws. I need whatever to get these guys out, right? They start developing their plan, relay it out to IC, and we can start supporting people in. But now with our manpower structure, now everybody's in the building, but nobody left. Mm-hmm. So then as IC, we just started discussing, okay, well, now RC, we're updating dispatch. So we've already updated that there's been a Mayday call to dispatch. Um, then uh, second alarm, mutual aid, uh, notifying ambulances, so we have multiple ambulances, uh, and then asking dispatch also to update the hospital so that the hospital can start being prepared as well. Because um, potentially in that scenario, we all know for one firefighter down, maybe about 12, 12 guys to get them out effectively, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we didn't have that at all. So we had eight guys, right. and four of them were down. Right. So worst case scenario, um, they did really well packaging each other up, sort of dragging people out. Um, and then essentially manpower wise, that's when the pump operator and the safety went to the door to, to help start dragging people out. Right. And then, the door. then straight into um, uh, firefighter down CPR. So another quick uh, quick assessment on the patient. Um, the one guy we simulated a uh, massive hemorrhage, so he lost part of his arm. So we wanted we talked about blood loss, tourniquet application inside, stabilizing the firefighter before you extricate. So all these communication mm-hmm. things that RIT needs to be doing as part of their their assessment once they get inside. So we really wanted RIT to go in and say, "Hey, I got a firefighter down with uh, missing a limb. Looks like a massive hemorrhage. So if they don't have something there for a tourniquet, they can relay that out, and then we can get Just that ready." Your RIT bag? Uh, not in our rip bag. So this was all the, the yeah. debriefing conversation. I think that we, we started have one in our rip bag. So 
I was just thinking about that. I think I put two in there. I think I put two in there when we first got tourniquets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this this was kind of led us into the the debriefing comments was, and I still haven't done it yet. Is I want to start carrying a tourniquet in my gear. Yeah, I want to tuck in my coat somewhere. But then (laughs) also further to that, okay, well now where should where else should we be having them? Maybe in the rip bag. There's pockets all over them with wedges and other stuff. So why not? Yeah. Um, And then just as a RIT team, as you're establishing your your RIT tarp, what are you putting out there? Well, we're putting our tourniquet, our AED, things like that. Because everybody is very focused on getting a RIT line out there. So RIT has their own established, you know, inch and three quarter water source, which is great. But we got fucking hoses all over the truck. We can pull a hose. hose They're designed to put you pulled fast. (laughs) What I want to see on that RIT tarp first is I want to see tools. I want to see the medic gear. I want to see... um, uh, the RIT bottles, you know, air bottles, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even think we usually pull a line for our RIT guys. We, no. we just leave it on the truck because mm-hmm. the guys are just, well, we'll just use that. We'll just pull it. Yeah, cause, <laughs> and this is one thing I, I actually I don't know the answer for. Um, I mean, you're supposed to have an established RIT line, mm-hmm. but does it need to be pulled or as long as there's one available on the truck? Available. Right? Yeah. So I'm thinking as long as it's still available and it's close. Right? Yeah. That's, that should be sufficient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as long as you know that, hey, that is that is now going to be our writ line. Nobody else is pulling that one. Yeah, like I'm, I'm thinking back to the Rogue 20-whatever fire um, where we had you guys up for writ. Yeah. Uh, we had the writ tarp, and there was a writ line pulled and sat there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times I come come around the corner and guys are, like, running the writ line because, like, like, some of the soffits like on the Bravo side of that building just kept flashing up and somebody go yeah. grab the writ line and all of a sudden they're doing a fire attack with it. And But I guess I could kind of go back to it, that, you know, can the writ people writ be used? People they, they can be used for things that aren't like yep. critical to the fire. Yeah. So hitting a soffit is not critical. So I guess the writ line is also still, another critical yeah. <laughs> as long yeah. as it's freeable. As long as it's not for... stretched around the whole building, right? Exactly. Like it, it's still accessible and usable. And yeah. that's always the the, the hot yeah. topic of conversation is, wow, you know, we're we're on RIT, yeah. you know, so we shouldn't be working. It's like, no, but also yes. Like mm-hmm. there's there's certain things in. you can be doing. Like, yeah. Once you've done your um your RIT plan and you've done everything else, yeah. you've checked in with IC, you, you know, things are working, um, and you're ready to go. You got your pack on. You're ready to go. You don't yeah. need to be on air. You can be stage and like i said you can be standing outside hey oh yeah hey we got a little bit of soft let's say i see i'm gonna hit this yep mm-hmm. boom done it's not hard labor right for sure yeah it's the last thing you want to do is be working but yeah. you can be working <laughs> like not active yeah not active, active. Where you can get active fatigued or injured and yeah. Things. yeah but if you can stand there if you can do a 360 if you can do all all of that stuff mm-hmm. you can grab an inch and a half and supply a little bit of water supply right yeah and that's Again, for our area and our structures. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a RIT team on a hotel fire, yeah. way different scenario. Absolutely. Right? So way different scenario. But like for our average, you know, family homes. You know, couple story, whatever. Yeah. S- mostly single family structures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it went really well. Uh, a lot of learning points. Um, a lot of the discussions were on just, just on comms, like really cleaning that airway up. So you're not talking over each other because it was really hard to hear as I see what's going on mm-hmm. with a couple of people trying to talk over each other. And then what the teams actually mentioned when they're, they're all in there close together and the RIT team leader is trying to communicate out. Now everybody's got their radios dialed. Mm-hmm. So you get all this feedback. 
Yeah. So turn those radios down, right? Like mm-hmm. you got other jobs to be doing. Yeah, we're really starting to drill on our our guys. Like, you know, <clears throat> I get you want to know what's going on, but when you get one or two teams in that close close space, mm-hmm. now there's no comms coming out because you're just getting that 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 crazy feed, feedback squelching. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. near impossible, right? So have a radio. You should have a radio. Yeah. But have it down. Like your yeah. radio is if something goes sideways, right? Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like picture your three-man, you know, attack team, and you know your your team leader, your officer. You know, he's the one that needs to be having that radio dialed up yep. to be communicating. Yep. And how many times have we all gone in, like you said, to reach over to your mic, key it to speak to command, and, and you know the guy five feet beside you, his radio is dialed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's turn that down. Mm-hmm. You know, we have communication, we have line of sight, whatever voice. So yep. we don't need that. And, the ra- and when I'm inside, my radio is the last thing I even. Yeah. Like I didn't even touch it because it's mm-hmm. like there's so many other only if you yeah. need to communicate something else. Yeah, right. a lot of guys use that as their primary thing. It's that's like my last resort because it's like there's so many other like I can like talk to you, I can mm-hmm. look at For you, sure. I can point, like because we're there. Like I don't mm-hmm. like I don't yeah. know, radio because usually when you get on the radio, it's like because you got your mask on, you're freaking mm-hmm. trying to talk and yeah, and you want it there. You know that team leader needs it loud enough to hear mm-hmm. if there's a sudden update if you need to evacuate yep. or, or whatever in, in the fire scene mm-hmm. changes. Um, but the other thing we have, if that doesn't happen, if you need to do a retreat, we've got the air horns, right? Yeah. Like that's in our SOPs. So mm-hmm. there, there's other means of... And I like, like with us, like our officers are, are so active. It's not like like we're going to push in and then we just sit there as our team works. Like we're yeah. all over the place. Like we're, 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 we're making the push in and like, like we'll come out. Like I, you, you do it a ton. Like we'll come out to the door, like pop out, give a verbal report yeah. and then follow the hose line back in. Like we're constantly working yeah. and moving. Right. So yeah, again, like you're not cluttering up that airway just mm-hmm. for the sake of, Hey, you want to know exactly what I'm doing in here? No, like if, if you're working and you're doing everything and there's nothing pressing, like just give us the report the next time that one of us is out. Yeah, and that's like look at look at our bread and butter fires. It are they're the small family homes, like you yeah. said. You know, so it's gonna be very easy to you can see. To, you to can do literally that, right? see people like okay, he's working over there. Okay, that guy's over there. Yeah, yeah. sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you start getting into complex structures, it changes everything. But yeah, hundred percent. Again, that's not our it's not our area, people, right? Yeah. It's gonna come, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of good takeaways from it. Um, a lot of good discussions afterwards. Like I said, just even the, the tourniquet placements, like where, where should we be putting these things mm-hmm. um, and getting everybody thinking about it. And then there's a discussion of the, well, how are you going to tell if there's a massive hemorrhage? Well, if the guy's missing an arm, we'll probably yeah, assume. You know, but the other thing when we do when we go down to assess a firefighter down is we check his air. You can do a real fast RBS on them to see if there's any massive injuries. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's kind of part of it as you're packaging them for, for the yeah. rip removal. Yeah. Uh, and then if you grab an arm and it starts flopping the opposite way, yeah. you know something's up. Yeah. So then maybe take an extra moment to, to see. Because all of our gear will soak that right up. Right? Oh, yeah. It's a massive bandage around your arm. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the thing. Like the, the bleeding, as you know, it's, it's going to hide it so well, especially with a lower extremity. It's going to go right into your boots. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. fire boots are designed to be waterproof. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. it's also blood. That's a lot of blood you yeah. want in a fire boot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got two liters of blood in your boot. Yeah. 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 No, it worked very well. It's a lot of um, good things kind of tied together from our past practices. Um, just the the teamwork for the searches, the fire attack, the comms, setting up RIT, RIT doing their proper job. And 
Yeah, just ice practicing IC rolls for everyone. Right. Nice. Cool. Mm-hmm. That was our practice. Nice. Um, what we've, again, we've been doing some special stuff with, um, you know, we've been working with local departments because um, we have our burn buildings that we we bring, so or we bring, we, we have built. Um, so we bring some of the departments from our region. Um, we had the guys from up north coming down. Um, and then, again, recently we had uh, the smaller department um, kind of up in the mountains mm-hmm. uh, recently come down. And, um, yeah, it's good to see those departments come out because they don't have access to a burn building like we do. And uh, we just do it for free, like we said before. It's just we just have people come and, you know, our guys like doing it. Mm-hmm. And so we did that We did that for two weeks in a row, um, just do a cold start. Um, the one night, the first night, um, Glenn was pretty ambitious with the, with the, with the, <laughs> with the stack with the pallets. <laughs> so I usually do, I usually like a six to seven pallet stack for a cold start. Um, cause I, cause I like getting it, I like getting it rolling fast so we can demo the um, rollover and all the stuff. And, mm-hmm. and then uh, I walk in, I'm like, it's like 12 pallets in there. <laughs> and Glenn's like, I can take some out. I'm like, I'm like, it doesn't really matter. It's not like... Like, um, it's not going to make the fire, like, the fire's not going to suddenly, like, burst, like, it's not going to make the fire explode. Mm-hmm. It's just going to burn a little bit bigger and longer. So, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's fine. I mean, because if it, if I feel it starting to get out of hand, I literally have a hose to, to yeah. give it a couple taps and it'll, it'll knock it down. Yeah. So, yeah, and it, you know, it was actually a really good, um, roller we had going on. Got, got it hot pretty fast. And, yep. Um, had a nice little river of fire over our heads and, nice. um, it was good, to, uh, because I always tell those people, like everybody that comes, including our rookies, and I said this before, it's it's a, it's not about learning firefighting. It's that that's about stress inoculation. Mm-hmm. It's not even stress because you're not really stressed. Well, some people are, but it's more um, fire inoculation. You're mm-hmm. getting used to seeing fire over your yep. head, um, seeing fire visually in front of you, feeling the heat. Um, I get, like I said, I always get them to take their glove off, put their hand up in the thermal layer, feel the difference between the thermal layer and the smoke layer, because mm-hmm. you know they can usually look. The smoke layer is usually lower, and then. Oh, it's actually not that hot there. Okay, put your hand up a little higher. Oh, and then showing them what actual heat feels like, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like. I notice when people check doors, you know, they're like, "Oh, it's heat lines right there," and then you open, and you're like, "No, if you can touch the door, that's not the heat line. That's mm-hmm. like the warm line. Yeah, it's, it's warm. It's warm. Yeah. It yeah. could just be from the ambient temperature from the sun hitting it all day. So you know, it's that's not warm, like." Yeah. Um, so I show them what, like when you put your hand up in the thermal layer and you can't keep your fingers there with your ungloved mm-hmm. hand for more than like half a second, that's the heat. That's when you're like, Ooh, and that's what you're like, Oh crap. Okay. This is actually hot. Like mm-hmm. now I felt heat. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it's like you said, it's building that confidence of feeling where that heat is mm-hmm. and how safe you actually are when you stay low. Yeah. And then like, showing them, yeah. And then dropping right back down. down nice like, and cool. Mm-hmm. And how you can control it with your hose line, right? Like, yeah. Ooh, it's hot. Okay, well, I'm going to spray it. It's going to get really warm for a second as it, you know, disrupts everything. But yeah. then we can control it and start really yeah. just being way more comfortable. Yeah, and then showing how fast, just, you know, doing the penciling, um, it's a good tactic just for a quick, like, knockback, just while, while we do a search or, while, you know, you just want to control the flash over. But it really doesn't extinguish a fire. Right. And showing them that just, you know, I, I usually do two quick pencils and then we let it sit there and then we let the fire build. And we usually within about what, 20, 30 seconds? Yeah. The thing's rocking over our heads again. Mm-hmm. So, and this is a training fire, I always tell them, like, this is this pallet. So, yeah. imagine, like, a couch or something mm-hmm. on fire yeah. or a room of contents. And as this is, you know, rocking over our heads, there's nothing that it can spread to. 
yeah. this is literally just the a fire will always be right yeah. there, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, the, yeah, you're not looking in the, oh, the curtains are going to be on fire behind me or the. Yeah, you know, all the spotting and the yeah. heat. Yeah. So doing that and then showing them what actually like putting a fire out feels like. So, you know, like then I always get, Ash is always aware, like I always call him because he's always, um, he's a, usually the back safety guy. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, Ash, open the back door. So uh, he goes around, opens the back seat can. So that's like making a big vent, like opening the back, like venting a window or we're literally opening a back door in a house. Mm-hmm. And then I show them like, okay, now, and then as soon as we do that, the fire is like, like it explodes because we gave it so much oxygen. Mm-hmm. So it's like, whoa, I'm like, see how big the fire got? So I know it's getting lots of oxygen right now. But I said, I also can see, because I can, you watch the fire, it's like, starts going, like it's coming this way. And then it starts bending towards the, the ventilation. Yeah. So I'm like, so I know there's a good vent back there. So now and I show them the, you know, the circle, like I just, I just turn the nozzle on full and just start doing a, doing a loop or doing the um, wall, ceiling wall. Yeah. yeah. And just going, and I, but I express to them, like, you have to keep it up. You, if you stop, if you're like, oh, that was good enough, well, you're going to get all that steam and stuff's coming back on you. Yeah, keep control mm-hmm. of the flow path. And like, and you have to keep going and just keep going, go, 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 go. And then finally, like, knocks it down. And then I get them to all stand up. And I actually forgot to do the first guys to do this. Get them to all stand up, take their glove off now. And literally within, like, 20 seconds, show them what water does. And put your hand in, um, in where that thermal layer just was where you, and it's, like, cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's the difference. And, yeah no and that's that's so important like you said is is just building that confidence of how safe the gear is uh seeing and feeling you know how dark it's getting and where like hey you know it's dark and warm it's still safe get a little yeah. bit lower yeah. and yeah there's there's so much with it just building well, the big thing i was getting them put their hand on their helmet too right yeah. so just put your hand on your helmet feel how hot your helmet is so that's your head underneath so your head how is like literally hot your head yeah, is <laughs> your head is literally just underneath there and you're not scorched so that's how good your gear yeah. is yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then after that we went and uh we relit the fire and did a bunch of just just real quick uh positive pressure attacks using using the fan um as our kind of our shield to go into and then um pushing behind it with a with a hose line and then doing some uh, hydraulic ventilation mm-hmm. beauty so we did that a bunch of times with them um i think they liked it from when I, you, you talked to the deputy chief yeah i had a really good chat with the with their deputy um right after that and then just the other day had a chat with the chief um oh. and rave rave reviews coming back um a lot of these guys are like that first week that was kind of like their new new crew um i don't think i think one person put, put their hand up for live fire experience yeah um yeah and the place they went to they he said they only had they, they only could do like three pallet stack yeah. Which, so there was fire. I think when we heat. first started the burn building, we had like two pallet stack and it was so lame. We were, we were like, did we just waste a bunch of money on this stupid burn building? <laughs> <laughs> nope, add more. Yeah. So yeah, they were very, very impressed and already were asking, hey, like, when can we go back and do more? To which mm-hmm. I said, literally anytime. Like, yeah. we, we love doing it. Um, we have a group of guys that want to come come down. Like, they're like, hey, next time you guys do something like that, give me a call so I can come and help. Um, which, our guys learn a shit ton from from that as well. Yeah. Um, so we got guys that are only in just just it's done out of a year. We have mm-hmm. guys helping us that are have been in under a year, mm-hmm. and they're they're going in there like like yeah. they're old timey freaking New York big yeah. mustache guys. <laughs> and they're just walking in there just like yep. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, ain't heat. Confident. I felt heat back in two thousand. 21. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, <laughs> that was, that was like, how salty are you? You've been on here yeah. for like two months. 
Well, it's good. Like, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it shows how far the, the, they've come just because of the experiences that they've gotten. Like, some of this in training, some of this out there in the wild. But uh, it's really awesome to see the guys excel like that and, like, their comfort level in there is, like, nothing. Like, we're in there, like, loading pallets and there's, there's guys, you know, poke, poke their head in there like, jeez, these guys are nuts. And we're like, no, it's, just, it's a controlled environment and, like, we're comfortable in it. So... Mm-hmm. It's good. Like now we we had him back again this past week where both of us were away, mm-hmm. um, but uh, chatted with with them, uh, with uh, the deputy and the chief again, uh, and then with some of our our guys that did it, and they mm-hmm. did basically the same same thing. Uh, they weren't able to get quite the rollover that we had the the first round, but they said it, for whatever reason it was hot, like super super hot. Um, so didn't quite get the same experience, uh, but was really able to see, uh, what that gear can withstand, which was really good. Uh, and these guys were a little bit more experienced. I think almost every one of them that was here had been up North to the live fire there. Um, so the only difference they did, uh, pause a pressure attack, but they, they went in on the South side door. So they, um, they, they made a little bit extra push, which is basically in a entryway into like a simulated bedroom with another door. So they had to do a couple extra checks for doors, right, right, right. blah, blah, blah. So it's just a, a little bit further of a push. So it's not the, the, the first one is like you go in and you can do the attack two feet inside the door. Yeah. Um, you get a lot of water. From yeah. Distance, yeah. Uh, where this one you actually have to like manage some hose line and stuff. So it was just a little bit more of a, you know, leveled up attack for them. Uh, but still very, 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 you know, basic. Um, just they you don't want to overload their their first time through. But right. uh, they went and had a look again at our search building on the bottom side, and both teams are like, we need to come back down here and do some actual search. Yeah. Uh, with some live fire, like actually like do a good a good search because they they've got like a smoke shack where. They can get a, a little bit of smoke going and do uh, like like minor search stuff, but they're like, yeah, if 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 we're invited back, which we said that they absolutely are, uh, we can start doing some actual search and some, um, you know, writ, writ stuff with you know with them again. So right. yeah, awesome, worked out really well. And off the backside of that, got another department that wants to come. Yeah, that chief mm-hmm. happened to be having a chat with another chief, and now we're getting another department from a little further north that wants to come and train with us. Outstanding. Yeah, and again, like this is all in the house. Like we, there's, there's no fee for it or whatever. And like in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh man, we should actually start getting a fee for it. <laughs> I mean, it's hard in the building, but yeah, again, whatever it is what it is. Well, like it's, said, it's, it's hard also, in the building, but it's good for like, it's good for your guys yeah. too. Like it's good said, for our guys. All the the newer uh, firefighters that are really getting that inoculation, right? Yeah. And well, you know what? I think it's really good for us too. Like as instructors, like yeah. how I would instruct to a group of us versus like you guys are going to get like us here are going to get a version of me and what i say and do and it's professional and we're getting the message across but but what we get with an outside crew it's just a a different version of that um i just think it keeps us sharp yeah i think with our guys you know i'll they'll bust our balls sometimes but, yeah mm-hmm. but, which is fine because it's actually at the end even dealing with our <laughs> our guys sometimes it, it makes you a better instructor mm-hmm. it's like you're like you're trying to like okay that guy's part like because i know we know everybody's personalities so we're like okay that guy needs this this type of instruction that guy needs that kind of instruction and then with these new crews these guys coming from outside of the region 
our representative of our area, we're like, okay, I don't know anything about these people, so I'm gonna treat them this way. And they're, you know, they're on their, they're obviously on their best behavior because they're, they're, they're for us, they're, they're with us. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a different, different form of instruction. It Same is. instruction, this different form of, uh, of like delivery, of putting, or delivering, yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's good for us. And also, you know, teaching firefighter skills is never a bad thing because. I have friends that live in these communities that these yep. guys are in and mm-hmm. teaching them and maybe they might have a fire one day and if they can rescue them, that friend, <laughs> it's good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else? I don't think so. That'd be it. Um, we, you and I were, <laughs> we we're going to talk about it when I talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, before that podcast, we were talking about the rescue task force again and, mm. You know, just, I, I actually, I, found, I have some uh, plates, some old plates, um, armored plates that I have with my plate carrier, and they might even be expired, I don't know. Um, but, um, you know, I, I got a Rescue Task Force logo, and uh, not saying that we're a Rescue Task Force yet, it was actually funny, because I was, where I was getting the, um, the, not that called, what is it called? The Flash. Yeah, patch. Yeah, the patch made. They, I was there. I was, it's a law enforcement shop, and this and this cop's like standing there, and he's like, and we're, I'm in Vancouver, or New Westminster actually, and uh, he goes, uh, oh, uh, what department are you from? <laughs> I tell him, he's like, oh, because he kind of knows we're a small rural department. He goes, you guys got a rescue task force? Awesome. I'm like, nah, not yet. Working on it. <laughs> but you know, we were again, we we're talking about it tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's you know, it's definitely it's in a it's in a NFPA thing. Yeah, it's not a. Like it's not a have to have yet. Mm-hmm. No, but, but they, they've they've got the guidelines there and many teams yeah. in place. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like to me it looks it's kind of like ice rescue or or um, swift water or swift water. Right? It's you should look at your look like where you are. You know, like I said, we we both of us have pretty big schools, pretty big um, gathering areas. Um, you have the like in in summertime. Well, when there's no COVID, what do you have? And you have like four fifty thousand people show up for yeah. July July first celebrations. Yeah, the celebrations you there. Know, it's uh, we it's get these insane. big gatherings of people, which, as you can see from some of the protests, they might be they draw some interesting folks. Yes. <laughs> so there's the normal protesters, and then there's the other side. <laughs> so just because it seems like it's going to be a you know a good a good a happy thing. Like a school is a good happy place. It doesn't mean you're not going to draw the weirdo that's going to decide to take a shot at a bunch of people. Yeah. Or yeah. you know the police are dealing with something and then there's a shots fired call. It's these things where the paramedics aren't going to be able to go. And I'm actually glad they don't go because again, I don't think paramedics they it's back to that detachment thing. If they're getting putting armor on and going in, they're getting sucked into something that they can't like they can't do their work because they're now they're, now they're sucked in and pulling people out. Well, they're pulling them out to a safe zone, but yeah. there's nobody out there to deal with them. So mm-hmm. it definitely is a fire. I could, you know, when I first heard when you and I were first talking about it, mm-hmm. you know, it sounded like it's an ambulance job. But then now I'm like, no, it is. It actually does cover that fire department it, area, right? It, it could be in large communities where you have a lot of resources to, to draw from. Could be. Like uh, other provinces have, <clears throat> um, you know, kind of the rescue task forces and, and tactical paramedics that are all integrated. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a group of paramedics that would be on call. And if they get a call, they, they roll for those right. responsibilities. But again, in our areas where we know it's going to be challenging to get multiple rigs mm. um, and then 
the role and responsibility for that is the pre-hospital care and transport. Yeah. Not all the other, you know, hands-on, pushing through searches and dragging people out. Like, we need to be setting up the MCI area, the triage area, the casualty collection points, and not only doing that, transporting. Yeah. So uh, that role, if the fire departments take that on, we have the members. Um, yeah. We can start doing the integrated training and... It'll, it's just, it, it's a way better flow. Because yeah, really, the rescue part is, is actually fairly easy. It's it's you know if it's it's probably going to be tourniquets, real quick tourniquet application. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. they're not going to be sitting there going, now do you have diabetes? Okay, well, yeah. I'm going to do a uh, I'm going to do a blood sugar check on you. No, you're going to be like, okay, you're getting. Uh, can you walk? Cool, get out. Yeah. Um, oh shit, you're shot. Okay, tourniquet or you know you're, okay, yeah. chest seal, whatever. Drag him out. Put him on a put him on a litter. Get him yep. out there. Get him out to the casualty collection point. Yeah. Go back in with the police. Um, mm-hmm. Warm zones. Um, you know, there and there is stuff laid out. Um, what level of armor you need. Yeah. I think you're supposed to have ballistic shield helmets. Um, you know, the initial upfront cost, yeah, it would be, it would be pricey for something that may never happen. But again, mm-hmm. you look at a lot of the tools we buy and a lot of stuff we buy. You know, we get a half a million dollar. Most places have. Okay, let's not even probably a million dollar rescue truck with all the stuff on it mm-hmm. and the truck itself. So pretty much if you have a rescue truck, it's probably going to be close to a million bucks of stuff. And with cars nowadays, how often are we actually using that stuff? Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Um, versus, like, you know, you're buying probably $10,000 of body armor for some, uh, for four or five people. I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think it's a worth, a, it's definitely worth you know, looking into and maybe even doing an integrated team where, um, where it's like a writ crew, like you got a yeah, you got a you got, so. a you got a problem call down there. Um, well, we grab our we grab our rescue task force gear, a crew, and we drive down there. And by the time we get there, you guys are already starting your you're dealing with the situation. We roll in. Now we're an extra set of hands. Yeah, and like I said, like if you have, I mean, one way to look at it is if you have a few members from each adjacent department all trained in it, you know, with the other agencies, then it's not just for that you know, one off, you know, here we go, here's the here's the incident, but also all these these ERT standbys and where they're doing high risk takedowns and, and door kicks and stuff. Like we always send an ambulance anyways on standby for these, but again it's for standing by. It's not for anything else. Right. And if we are able to provide a team that gets deployed with those, now you're already being paid, you're already using training. Uh, right. it, it just it just ties together nicely because sooner or later something is gonna happen, unfortunately. That's yeah. just the way the world, the way it's it's going, and Canada's always a little bit behind the track of of the states with mm-hmm. these events. I mean, it's it's fact. That's that's what's out there. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a hard pill for people to swallow because you don't you don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to talk about some kid going nuts and shooting people. Mm-hmm. But you also have to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to talk about people drowning in the river either. But it happens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> or you know, people crashing their car and. Yeah, it's like classic not in my back backyardisms, right? Like, like we, we would never expect something like that to happen here, mm, but wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, there's crazies everywhere. Sadly, um, we would never expect some things that have happened here kind of recently, and yeah. it mm. just happened here recently. So, uh, there's a lot of events that uh, you know you you can see there's some unhinged individuals mm. that pass through our communities. They 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 might not be like the born and breds here, but. I mean, there's there's people traveling, coming through, staying for a while or forever, and and things happen. 
why not be prepared for it? We are that sort of catch-all, so yep. you, well, we can be prepared. A couple of years ago, we had that um, uh, the multiple shootings in Penticton yep. uh, and different locations as well through the mm-hmm. community. Yep. And so that was fire departments rolling, ambulances are rolling and being staged, yep. you know, and police resources are getting pulled every which way to try and find the shooter, but there's still these victims scattered around. Mm-hmm. And you, the information you have with active shooter scenarios is you don't know specifically where that, if that shooter is still there, but you still need a team to go in and get that patient. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's where these would really pay off. Yeah. So oh, we'll it, keep working it on it. It does happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got a resource that we're going to discuss some things off side as well, so. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Anyways. One day. One day. Yep. <laughs> one day 11. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Modus. Are we there? Yeah, we're I think there. we're there. Modus. Yeah, Modus. Um, got their snagger tools, their uh, wedges, got their... Um, some of their soft kit, like their pocket organizers, their pouches. Um, they got their hose straps, man. They got some soft entry uh, equipment. A Yeah, they, they got a ton of stuff now. Um, we've been working pretty closely with them the last little bit here. Uh, I've got some awesome stuff coming down the pipe that we're working on with, with them. Can't, can't wait to share that with you. But in the meantime, if you love their gear like you should, uh, pick up whatever you like. And use discount code DTFF5 for 5% off your order. Right on. Uh, Todd, stop the bleed. Stopthebleed.org. Uh, so three methods of uh, massive hemorrhage control is tourniquet application, wound packing, and direct pressure. Not in that specific order. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so go online, check it out, uh, stopthebleed.org. Um, see if there's any instructors near you or if you want to become an instructor there's uh, options there to, to walk you through it so they've expanded their instructor instructor um... oh who can be an instructor yeah yeah. I think they got corrections officers in there now um, good some some other type of nurses there's a couple of things I just got an email from them the other day oh, good so, yeah yeah I think with anything with the stop the bleed stuff is is, is just make sure you're knowledgeable on the subject matter right like you always want to be you know, have or at least have access to a subject matter expert yeah. um, for things because uh, you get all sorts of questions thrown at you. Um, and yeah, just make it uh, real world, make it fun, and uh, make it. It's funny when I was on the coast uh, at this other course I was doing, um, I'd stop by this uh, law enforcement place, and these guys, there was all these instructors they were teaching, or uh, they were doing an instructor development thing. So I was talking to one of the guys, and he's from the island, and uh, he goes, Man, he goes, because uh, they teach stop the bleed. So he says, yeah, he goes, I've watched your guys' video, like our video on stop the bleed. Mm-hmm. He's like, I watch it friggin' like probably 20 times. He goes, every time I go to teach that class, I watch that video. And he goes, I got like, I, I use the same words. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> He's like, I'm like using your thing word for word. I'm like, ooh. I'm like, you, you get your hip pack stuck for like half an hour too? <laughs> He's laughing. He's like, no. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's actually crazy how much, I, I don't know, I haven't looked at that video lately. Whenever he hits it, God, because whenever his was 20, he, he gave us 20 uh, views. <laughs> but yeah, he says he watches that thing uh, start to finish every time he's about to teach a class just to make sure he's got it down. So. Right on. Yeah. Good, yeah. So stop the bleed, uh, and of course, if you want any products for that, rescuecentrals.com. Uh, all sorts of good uh, training products for wound packing devices, kits, bags, uh, pre-made bags, or if you want to order su- specific supplies to build your own kit, uh, you can get all that stuff through them. 
Nice. Hmm. Uh, Tanner yeah, Tanner Olson, uh, country music out of West Coast Canada. Um, good news out of West Coast Canada is our restrictions have allowed us to have venues at capacity. So it sounds like uh, some live shows are in the future for them, which is awesome. Um, check them out on like your YouTubes, your Spotify's, whatever you listen to all your... Same place you find us, which is... Yeah, literally the same place you can find us. <laughs> Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Check us out there. Uh, like that video I just mentioned was on YouTube. Yeah. Yep. Um, we got a few things on there for some um, some Sims. We will hopefully one day get more stuff on there. We keep saying that. We yeah. haven't yet. It's that I noticed it's actually getting light around uh, five thirty now instead of dark yeah. at three. Yeah. <laughs> so helps. it's staying light, I should say. Um, yeah. So that'll help with some of the filming. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Any more for any more? I am good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank was, you. Was that your good night? That's why I'm good night. Likewise. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, good night and stay safe. Stay DTFF.